Welcome to the Daily Devotion with Pastor Terry Reynolds. I want to welcome you to today's program. It's always so good to be with you, to, to gather around as we study God's words for today's words of encouragement as we're going through the Gospels. Remember last time we were in Matthew chapter 5 in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Actually, the Beatitude is Jesus is finishing this section and then he said that you are the salt of the world. You know, one thing that should, one thing that I should say about salt is that it doesn't, does truly make one thirsty, doesn't it? And really what we're seeing here is that our life should be creating a thirst in others for Jesus Christ. You know, as we live for the Lord, as we're shining for the Lord, there will be that thirst when they see you and they'll be desiring and say, hey, you have something I don't have. And that's the effect that we can be on other people. And they'll be desirous to know about Jesus Christ. And so then he goes on and he tells us in verse 15 of chapter 5, that's where we're at in Matthew chapter 5, verse 15, where he says that you are the light of the world. Can you imagine when you think about here are the disciples, they're in this little portion of Palestine and Jesus is looking at them and they're on the hillside and he's saying, you are the light of the world. And the world doesn't even know we exist. But yet Jesus is saying, your lives make a difference. You're the light of the world. And then as he says in verse 15, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. And really, isn't what he's saying? You can't really hide effectively your relationship with God. No, nor are you to try to hide it. You're, as you walk in the presence of the Lord each and every day, as you walk in the, a room, people know that there's something different about you. Remember, your worst day as a believer is better than a non-believer's best day because you have true hope in your heart. And the light of Jesus Christ shines from your life. And so a city that's set upon a hill cannot be hid. And that's the picture that, that our lives are, sh are so to shine that people can see Jesus. He says, for men don't light a candle and then put it underneath a bushel. He says, people don't do that. But they put it on a candlestick that it might give life, light. See, the purpose of light is what? To give light. And thus, as the light of the world, you and I being the light of the world, the purpose of our life is to bring light, to give light in this darkened world in which we live. And then he said, verse 16, let your light so shine before men. He says, you can't hide it. A city set on a hill can't be hid. It's supposed to shine. You don't put it underneath a bushel, but you let your light so shine that you, when men see your good works, otherwise as you're doing the things for the Lord, you're, you're just seeking to do things that are pleasing the Lord, what they're going to happen, they're going to glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, really, now you can, have your, you can let your light so shine in a way as it attracts a lot of attention to yourself, a lot of glory, a lot of that-a-boys, pats on the back. 
But that's not the right way. That's not what Jesus here is talking about. He says, let your light so shine. Let your service to the Lord and the things that you do, that when men see you do those things, they're going to think of Jesus. They're going to think about the Lord. And they're going to think about how good and marvelous God is. Yeah, I think it's so important, the service and the things that we do, that we look to do things that are pleasing unto the Lord. Now, to keep the issue straight concerning the, with the our relationship to the law, Jesus said, Don't think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets, in verse 17, nor come to destroy but to fulfill. You know, there's a lot of people today who speak down concerning the law, and you hear them say, we're no longer underneath the law, we're under grace. And they look at the law in a negative way. But you know, David in Psalm 19, verse 7 says, but the law, we read, of the law of the Lord is perfect, converting to the soul. I believe there's nothing wrong with the law of God. The law is holy, the law is righteous, the law is good. The only problem with the law is that we have trouble keeping it. You can't find fault with the law. you got to find fault on our side, don't we? In our inability to keep the law. The law is good for the purpose for which it intended. That God intended the law to do. The law was never intended to, uh, by God to make one you righteous or any of us righteous. The law was intended by God to show you, to show me what righteous and what is righteous and to make you realize that you're a sinner. To make us realize that we're a sinner, it is by the law that you have the knowledge of sin. Paul said, I didn't know that to covet was sin, except the law said, thou shalt not covet. And so by the law comes the knowledge of sin, and the law cannot save you. The law cannot make you righteous. All the law can do is condemn you. And it's very good at that. And when you look at your life by the standards that God has set, you realize that I am a sinner. Realizing that I am a sinner, then I'm going to seek God for help. But if I don't realize I'm a sinner, then I'm never going to seek God. So the law was attended by God to be that schoolmaster, to be that tool to teach you, to teach us the way that God would have you live to help you see how far short you come so that you would that simply would drive us to Jesus Christ. And a proper understanding of the law always brings me to, a, to the cross. Let me say that again. A proper understanding of the law always brings me to the cross. It drives me to Jesus Christ for that righteousness that comes only by him. Only as I put my faith in him, in my faith in his grace, in his mercy unto me. So Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. John said, that law, that law came by Moses and grace and truth by Jesus Christ. But the grace and truth does not negate the law. It doesn't wipe it out. There was the moral law and there was the judicial law. And there was the ceremonial law. And the moral law was the Ten Commandments. Man's relationship with God and 
man's relationship with fellow man. The judicial law was the judgments that were to be made in various cases that would come before the judges. This is how they are to judge. This is the judgment. This is the penalty for the, for the particular crime. And it was the judicial law that meted out penalties and punishment for various crimes. Well, then you had the ceremonial law, what was how you were to offer sacrifices to God. The burnt offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering. And it dealt with the ceremonial ways in which you would sacrifices were to be offered unto God to restore man into fellowship with God. The peace offering and all, and the idea was always to bring, to bring a man into fellowship with God again. And so Jesus said, I don't come to destroy the law. It's, in, it's the inclusion. It's really the Torah, the books that dealt with the moral and the judicial and the ceremonial law. I didn't come to destroy that, but to fulfill it. In Matthew five seventeen, it tells us there. And as far as the ceremonial law, we find that Jesus was the fulfillment of that ceremonial law. He became sin offering for us. He fulfilled it. And that is why we are no longer take lambs to the priests and put our hands on them and confess our sin, guilt and transfer it on the lamb and let, and let the priest kill it and, and take the blood in and because Jesus fulfilled it. Remember where we see in John chapter 1 verse 29, Behold a lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And where the priests used to have to offer daily, Jesus once and for all offered himself for our sins in the fulfillment of the law. But Jesus said in verse 18, I tell you truly, until heaven and earth pass, not one jot, not one little mark, no one tittle, or which is to tell you which you where the vowels would be at, will pass from the law, these little markings, until all be fulfilled. fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So now again, look unto the moral law. I find no fault in the moral law of God. Remember what Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thine mind. I don't have any problem with loving God. I find it's very commendable, something we should do. In Exodus 23, he says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I have no problem with God. How about thou shalt not take the name, in the, Lord, the name of the Lord in vain? Remember to keep the uh, Sabbath holy. Thou shalt not see, steal. You see, there's nothing really wrong with the law. I don't know why people speak up so much. But Peter warns us about grace of God as a cloak to cover your lasciviousness. Otherwise, to try to cover up your sin. You're not willing to seek the Lord. You're not truly ready to repent of your sins. And I pray as we God convicts us of our need for him, that we would come clean and we'd ask the Lord's forgiveness. We'd ask the Lord's help even this day. 
And as we continue along in the Sermon on the Mount, I pray that you would read through Matthew 5 and you would meditate on it. And as we move over to Matthew 6, as we continue along in this beautiful, beautiful story of the Gospels. And so until next time, this is Pastor Terry. May God richly bless you. Thank you for taking part in today's program. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at terryreynolds at agapechapeloc.org. Again, that's terryreynolds at agapechapeloc.org. Or you can write us at Agape Chapel, P.O. Box 4023, Huntington Beach, California, 92647. May God richly bless you.